the left center field. Back toward the track. And that ball is gone. You are listening to the North Shore 9 podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Denardo's Dugout. I, of course, am your host, Anthony Denardo. And uh, that's a wrap. The 2020 MLB baseball season is over. The official regular season is done. All 60 games pretty much is played by every team, which is really shocking. Really shocking. Especially, I mean, we, uh, we all know about 2020 presents, the coronavirus, the shortened season as it was. Oh, let's see. The Cardinals didn't play how many games to begin with. The Marlins were struggling to play some games. But, uh, I mean, really, overall, when you think about it, it was a pretty successful baseball season. You know, kind of shocked. But MLB made it through the finish line. They completed the regular season. It sounds like we're going to get a pretty decent bubbled playoff system. Uh, even though Trevor Bauer doesn't agree with it. <laughs> uh, some insight on that, which, I mean, is kind of funny if you think about it. You know, like M- N- NBA did a very fantastic job on its bubble And, I mean, the reason for that is, I mean, we saw how, I mean, there's virtually no, like, no positive testing that took place. You know, all the players were safe and all that. And with MLB, they aren't allowing their families or, you know, friends. But they're in just regular hotels where people can book at. And like Trevor said, you ride an elevator with a complete stranger to head to the ball game, but can't be there with your wife. Oh, well, <clears throat> so MLB successfully ended their season. The Pirates, if you're wondering, they did not make the playoffs. Although the Brewers did, and they didn't have a winning season. The, the Brewers were never, the Brewers never had a winning record the entire year. And they made the playoffs. Hey, listen, it's 2020. I didn't really care, you know, in regards to, how this season went. I just wanted to be completed. I just wanted to get baseball back. Uh, fully understand the reasoning of having 16 teams for the playoffs. Obviously more revenue. You know, we we all understand. We all know the players. Um, I should say the players. The owners are, are greedy. You guys knew where I stood trying to get the season started. I don't think there should have only been 60 games. I think in good faith there could have been more. But... That is what it is. Understanding that there is still obviously no fans. There's a loss of revenue. Getting more revenue this year makes all the sense. However you can. So adding 16, I should say adding 16, but making the playoff 16 teams to have you know more revenue makes sense. Here we stand. The Brewers are in the playoffs. But here's an issue I have, okay? And I'm just bringing it up now because, you know, we, we mentioned this a little bit on a previous show, but... MLB's talking about making this a regular thing going forward. You know, it's potential that a 16 playoff run uh, bracket, if you want to call it almost now, um, is going to be a regular thing among MLB. And I'm not for it. And I know there's people like Tyler and I had this little bit of a debate. I'm going to bring it up again. And here's why. 
Again, the Brewers, who never were never had a winning record this entire year, finish up 29 and 31, are in the playoffs. Are they gonna win? Probably not. I don't have them down as a winner. But they're there. You know, I mean, this isn't the ideal matchup. They do play the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers are so deep. They have such a great, great, talented team. But, I mean, the Brewers' pitchers could come alive. It's a three-game series. Thank God it's not a one-game game playing, you know, like they did with the wild card. Pirates fans are all well aware of that change. You know, at least these games are more of a series. It's a three-game series, but that's part of, again, the issue I have with MLB doing a 16-team playoff. And you can relate it to, to hockey. I don't watch hockey, so I can't truly make that relation. Um, but, you know, hockey does it. NBA does it. I'll be the first to admit, you know, as much as a basketball guy I was growing up and everything, I don't watch NBA. And I've always been the, well, once the playoffs come on, I'll watch it. Hockey's the same. I I mean, I don't watch hockey, period. But I'll watch it during playoffs because it's more exciting, right? I get that. But, again, not relating to hockey because I don't understand that as much. When it comes to basketball, I just feel like the better teams will always win. I mean, it's a five-game series, seven-game series. Those are long. I mean, those can dictate. In baseball, there's so many variables, all right? I mean, for one, your best – say your best player is a pitcher, okay? He's not out there playing every game, you know? And if it's not your best player, it's probably your second or third best. They're not out there playing every single game. And and think about this. Like, what other sport truly uses the, the, the defining term of small sample size? For the amounts that baseball does. Why is that? Think about this. What are the odds that LeBron James goes scoreless in a game? Probably very low. But guess what? The best hitter in baseball this year, Juan Soto, has gone over in a game. Right? Small sample size is like the devil when it comes to baseball. Well, you can't, you know, I mean, Joe Block gets hammered every time he puts out a post, you know? Well, it's such small sample. Well, over the last 17 at-bats, he's done whatever. I mean, you can't utilize that. But in the playoffs, that's what truly matters. Like, I feel like in basketball, what you do is pretty much what you're going to do. I mean, you can have a bad game. But, like, LeBron having a bad game could go from scoring 30 to, like, 17. We still scored points. You know, and now some other guys can step up and do a little bit. But, like, you're not virtually going to be taken out of a game completely. You know, Mike Trout can go over, right? Juan Soto can go over. Your best pitcher could give up seven earned runs in a game. It could just, it could just happen. You know, I understand LeBron can have a bad game, but, like, the swing is never going to be the swing that it can happen in MLB. <laughs> Just realize I used the word swing. So I think that's my problem with MLB is, you know, pretty much whoever the better team is in NBA is going to win. The team that deserves to move forward is going to win. It's likely that the Dodgers are obviously going to beat the Brewers. But it can happen. Like, it can legit happen. 
you know, in the NCAA tournament, right? Like the 64 team has never beat a one seed ever, 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 ever. I know this is not that extreme, but like, I can't go down an NBA to tell you how many times an eight has beat a one. I'm sure it's very, very low. I can guarantee you the odds in baseball are going to be much greater, especially in a three game series. It's three games, you know, pirate fans, once again, knocking on the door, bring back those terrible memories. You know, when you run into a buzzsaw like Madison Bumgarner, okay? If, if the Brewers, I mean, they, they're close to it, but if the Brewers had a vintage Bumgarner, a vintage Arietta on that team, that's one game. Lock it up. Done. It's now a two-game series. That's a 50-50 coin flip, right? It's now a two-game series. All you have to do is win one. Like, that's what it comes down to. If you have that type of a pitcher who's that hot right now, that's what it comes down to. You can't say that for an NBA team. Never, ever, ever can you just say the the one guy was hot and that one guy literally carried the team. How many times can you say that? How many times can can you relate in an NBA team? And I'll bring up hockey just because whatever. I'm asking you in that sense. But how many times can you relate and just say, well, they had blah, 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 insert player's name, and that's why we lost. I mean, everyone, everyone wants to criticize LeBron James because he has to teammate, you know, team up with everyone. You know, un- unless Kobe's going for 81 points. Like, that's the closest that's coming to, like a Jake Arrieta or Madison Bumgarner. You know, a guy in the NBA who just goes off for 81 points. Literally shuts down the other team. How often does that happen in NBA? Very, very little. It's a team. It's literally a team sport. One player can truly dictate the outcome, which is usually, again, the starting pitcher in MLB. Clayton Kershaw comes in and he chokes. And I'm just using this as an example. Of course, it's becoming a bit of his MO, which I don't agree with and it's not going to hinder his Hall of Fame to me. But he comes in, and he looks mediocre, and the Brewers steal one. You know? Like, it could, it could happen. And that's my issue with, with this going forward. And I truly don't feel like it makes it that exciting. Because it's three games. Are you, as a Brewers fan, excited over 162 long-ass games in this season? of watching literally below-average baseball, not once were they a winning team, for three games? Are you going to sit through an entire draining 162 season to be get excited over two games? Two wins, I should say. Potentially three games. I don't think so. Does it really add? And again, it doesn't incentivize teams to go out there and, and try. As mentioned, the Neil Huntingtons are the that's the new wave. That's the perfect GM going forward. Now, whether you do like him or not, all you have to do is just get into the playoffs. Just be good enough every single year and make something happen. Get on a run, get hot, right? Make a few key trades right before the deadline, and boom, you're set. Didn't have to invest that much into this team. Things went south. Well, wasn't a huge loss. Didn't put up a whole lot of money to do so. So that's my issue with the playoffs still, again. But let's talk about the playoffs a little bit. 
Everyone loves to hammer picks right now. It's it's the wave, right? Football season come up. Sports betting's legal in Pennsylvania. Everyone's hammering their picks to let you know. I'm not much of the sports betting man, but I'm here to tell you if you are, who's what's going to happen. So let's go down the list. Tampa Bay, Toronto. This is probably, honestly, and this is a 1-8 and eight seed. This is probably one of the toughest picks I had because so much in me wants to go with Toronto with this series. You know, again, talk about pitching. I mean, Glassnow's given up a ton of home runs this year. He's 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 made a lot of K's, a lot of strikeouts. You know, but look at the ERA. It's it's okay. He's not he's not you know losing the games for the most part. It's okay, but he gives up a lot of home runs. I believe it's almost almost two per nine. I think one point seven. What does Toronto do? Hit a lot of home runs. Hits a lot of bombs. The Blue Jays. They got Boba Shet back. I would not be completely shocked. And they they had a little, I mean, if you want to call it hot, it's only been 60 games. A little hot these past few. You know, Loris Gurriel is probably one of the streakiest hitters in baseball. And he's caught fire a little bit. But I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here. When it comes to New York and Cleveland, I think New York gets a lot of, criticism for the pitching staff and i don't think it's it's not as bad as it's always made out to be right the laughing stock of it is their pay well their pitching sucks the guys are back the, the the injuries have subdued the lineup's back boys that lineup deadly they got garrett cole tanaka's pitching a pretty solid season they have a great bullpen as it is you know i understand like i mean cleveland you would think shane bieber like there's a pitcher right shane bieber could literally just shut down the team that's it. Indians win, right? He's that type of pitcher right now. I mean, he's a good pitcher as it is, but he's having that Bumgarner, Arietta type season where, I mean, he's he's going to be the lock for the Cy Young. But Garrett Cole is also pretty good. And here's the thing. The Indians lineup is terrible. It's completely trash. Jose Ramirez is amazing. And everyone around him is pedestrian at best. Lindor's not having that great of an offensive season. I know it's there. It's 60 games. So I understand small sample too. But that lineup just is it's atrocious. And, and again, here's my reasons why the Clevenger trade. You trade Clevenger to San Diego. Is Josh Naylor really going to help you face Garrett Cole? They got Kyle Contrella helps out the bullpen. I mean, that's a nice addition. That could help. But is Josh Naylor helping you out when you needed offense? No. No. The prospects aren't this year. Maybe in the future we'll find out. But as far as helping out this year, I mean, having a Clevenger to add to that rotation could have been nice. I'm going Yankees. I'm going Yankees. Minnesota versus Houston. Let's just go. Let's just say Minnesota move forward. Houston's look awful. They have no more trash cans. They can't hit. Minnesota. Oakland and Chicago. Man, give me the White Sox. A two and seven right here. Give me the White Sox. I honestly feel the White Sox are, I mean, they get hit hard in the seeding per se, right? They're in the same division as Minnesota. They're in the same division as the Indians. White Sox are better than the Indians right now. Keiko, I don't know how he's doing it. He's got like five strikeouts per nine. Sub two ERA. 
We know Giolito is a beast. They got the pitching. They got... Oh, God. Can't remember the name. The, the guy they just drafted. Oh, I'm going blank. Oh, my God. The pitcher they just drafted this year who's in their bullpen. It's come out, pitched, what, six scoreless innings, striking out everybody, throws 100 heat, like nonstop. That's a weapon in the bullpen. <clears throat> I'm taking the White Sox. They're going to be... They're going to be hard and tough to beat this playoffs. Move over to the NL. Got the Dodgers and Brewers. I'm taking Dodgers. They're just too good. They're too deep. Now, that's something to talk about, too, in these playoffs, right? That The one thing about the this format of the MLB playoffs is there's literally going to be a game every single day. No days off. Why is that important? Why is that different? Typically, in the playoffs, you can go ahead and use three pitchers. Three starting pitches can easily... Get you through the playoffs, right? And that's the thing. If you're a, a good, solid team, all you need is three really good pitchers. You care less who your four or five is, right? It's enough to get you through the season. Use some arms to get you through the regular season. Once the playoffs come, here's your three starters winning a ton of games, right? You have to have a great one, two, three. You're really looking at probably a really good playoff run. Well, now you're going to need a lot of arms. You need depth, right? Your pitcher can't go out there every three days for the entire month and pitch. I know as much as Trevor Bauer probably wants to. He can't. They're not going to allow it. Dodgers have all that depth. They have, I mean, think about it. Like, they have two candidates of rookie of the year, you know, in the back end of their, their, their uh, rotation right now. So the Dodgers have that depth. Uh, I do think the Dodgers will win, even though I wanted to trash the playoff system and how the Brewers could potentially win. Uh, then Slam Diego and San Diego and St. Louis. I mean, let's be honest. St. Louis hasn't looked that great this year. They've played a lot of seven-inning games, right? They, they've they've helped their pitching by by not playing how many games to start the season. Um, yeah, give me San Diego. Even without Clevenger, uh, I haven't found out the news on Lamette, but I still just feel like San Diego. I mean, the pitching is still better than the San, St. Louis's. Um, Chicago and Miami. How about the story of the Miami Marlins? Ex-Pittsburgh Pirates, shall I say. I mean, the Miami Marlins went from what they had the number three pick last year, and now they're in the playoffs. They understood, you know, it's a 60-game season. I do think they're closer on the verge of being a, you know, a good team than, say, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Obviously, the Pirates could afford – the Pirates needed this losing season to get better. Well, the Marlins have the talent. They're coming up. You know, they're, they're on the cusp of winning again. And they accelerated this year. They made the trade for Stalling Marte. The Cubs have looked awful. I mean, I joked. I mean, the, the Pirates swept them. The Pirates, uh, the Pirates, the, the Cubs, Chris Bryant has been terrible all year. He hasn't been healthy. I mean, obviously, to his credit, I'm not dissing him in the States, but he hasn't been healthy and he hasn't been good. The Dolphins have looked terrible. I mean, Baez has been terrible. The pitching's kind of, I mean, Kimbrell's looking actually a lot better. His velocity is way, is way back, way back this year. Um, but still like himself can't win this. I'm going Miami. I feel like Miami's riding kind of high right now. Chicago isn't. I don't think Chicago is really all that great of a team. I mean, they lucked out playing in the NL central for one, but I just have this feeling like, like Miami is, is going to be that upset. They got six to Sanchez. You got Sandy Alcantara. They have some some good pitching. They have 
now, I mean, their offense is really starting to click, especially with Starling in there and such. I'm good with Miami. And then last, we have Atlanta versus Cincinnati. This is actually a really scary matchup. Like, again, we're talking about playoffs. We're talking about pitching. And what does Cincinnati have? I mean, they have Trevor Bauer, who's just dominating. I mean, that's he easily could win that first game himself again. And the Reds are up one, you know, one nothing on the Braves. Um, the Braves just, I just, I don't know. The, their offense is so good. I understand Trevor Bowers is that great as well, but they have some pitching. Their offense is so good. They're playing out in San Diego. Um, I'm sorry, Houston. I'm going to go with Atlanta, but that's another scary matchup there too. Let's hope again, like the Tampa Bay Rays and Toronto Blue Jays, I feel has upset alert all over it too. And obviously, as I just mentioned now, Atlanta versus Cincinnati. Here we are talking about baseball and upset alert. Again, this is weird, 16 teams. So there's there's my playoff predictions. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about on this show is, of course, the MLB awards. Let's get into it a little bit. So these, what I'm going to present to you is not so much my predictions on who, like the rookie of the year, Cy Young, all that's going to be. This is who I would pick. So all to me, it's not truly a prediction because writers get things right. But this is who, if I had a vote per se, this is who I would pick. Let's go ahead and start with the rookie of the year. We'll go AL first. This was actually pretty tough. And here's why for me. It could have gone a couple of different ways. Uh, I'm choosing Kyle Lewis. And just simply for the fact because ultimately at the end of the year, he had the numbers. He had the body of work. But he struggled very, very hard like the past three weeks of the season. I mean, his numbers were amazing actually all year. You know, he, he could have easily been like in the MVP kind of conversation, those type of numbers to start off the season. But as mentioned, he struggled very, very hard. Numbers fell, came more pedestrian. And, you know, that's why I struggle with this. Like who else was more deserving of it? But everyone pretty much had their flaws. And, you know, again, as mentioned, I, I kind of just give it to him. This is a really weird season, too. That's why, to me, like, the voting on this is going to be very, very weird. Um, there's going to be some things that I would really point out. But for our rookie, I'm going Kyle Lewis. He had a really solid season. <clears throat> I know another favorite is Luis Robert. Again, as mentioned, he also struggled pretty hard. Offensively, his numbers weren't. I mean, they're about average. He looked really, really good defensively. Like, the power numbers were there and such. Um, I really like. I felt like if there was maybe ten more games to the season, right? If it's a seventy game season, Sean Murphy of the Athletics probably had a good shot. He would have got more at bats. If he stayed consistent, I know the batting average was low, but like him too being at a premier position at catcher, right for the A's, who are number two seed in the playoffs, he, he had some really good value this year. You know, he had some really good production. He had a little bit of power. He got on base. You know, offensively, he was better than Kyle Lewis when you encompass everything. His way to runs creative plus was a 131, where Kyle Lewis is 126. Um, he was consistent pretty much all year long in this short year. So I felt like if there was like 10 more games, Lewis's slide maybe would have been a little further, right? He would have descended a bit. Murphy would have ascended and, and probably took it. And then Robert maybe would have stayed the same. Uh, but there's my AL rookie of the year. All right, let's get into the NL. I know everyone wants to. Talk about this, all the Pirate fans. 
You want me to go and tell you that, you know, Cabrian Hayes is going to be the NL Rookie of the Year? I'm not here to tell you that. I'm sorry. This is going to dictate a lot for my MVP stuff. But, but, but again, here it is. And, and for this season specifically, but even, you know, in regular seasons, it's only 60 games. Games played matters. It really does. And, and here's for the Rookie of the Year, here's why. We just talked about Kyle Lewis, how great his numbers were. MVP-type numbers, right? The first half of the season. Well, the first half of the season was less was, was 100 plate appearances, you know, less than that. And then he slid. And now his, his numbers look more, I mean, they're so good, but, you know, they've obviously, they've dropped. They're, they're not as fantastic. You know, again, like Brian Hayes, 200 way to run creative plus, right? 195, close enough. They're fantastic. If you gave him another month, are they going to slide and be 126 like Kyle Lewis now? That's like, like that's my issue. Like the problem is the season's so small that even the smaller sample sizes, you know, he, he has basically had a hot start to the season. The issue is the season stopped on him. He couldn't get past the start. He couldn't get to the middle and obviously wasn't getting to the end because he was caught up late, like, like a lot of rookies, right? He, he didn't have the time for pitchers to truly adjust and for him to, to normalize and such. And it's like, do I do I give him an award for that? Like that's what I struggle with. Like there's guys out there who have had good seasons and they've done it the whole time. Like a Cronenworth. Alec Bohm was caught up later, but like he had he basically had double the games played, you know, played appearances as a Brian Hayes. He had really good offensive numbers. For the whole time he was here, which is twice as long. Brian Hayes basically had a hot start, and the season stopped on him. And I know, I mean, his hot start was tremendous. Like, I'm not taking anything away. He was actually the most valuable player. But, like, he wasn't given the opportunity to have pitchers see him again and adjust to normalize some numbers and, and stay consistent. And that, that's why I can't do it. And listen. He's eligible next year. Let some of the other guys that have played most of the season be awarded for the efforts this year. And let Brian Hayes go ahead and battle next year, you know, in a normal season, see what he can do over a longer period of time. But here's the thing. I'm not going with Bohm. I'm not going with Cronenworth. I'm taking a pitcher. I'm going with Devin Williams. And I feel like no one's talking about him as much as they should. But Devin Williams has been a monster for the Brewers. I talked about Hader potentially shutting down the Brewers. Well, I left out Williams because I wanted him to be quiet till I brought up his name right now. Devin Williams has been the best reliever in all of baseball. Not just rookies. He's not just a, a rookie having a fantastic season. He's the best reliever in baseball. The guy's pitched 27 innings in relief. Mind you, in relief, that's a lot. I wish I had that. I think it's seven most by any reliever in baseball. So he has the innings. I understand it's tough to go reliever because 
you know, how, how little you're utilized. I mean, I'm talking about Cabrian Hayes, this, the small sample, and I'm giving it to a guy that comes out for one inning and goes back into the dugout. But in a 60-game season, he's made 22 appearances, thrown 27 innings. So he's been there for pretty much the entire year. Like, like for a reliever, that embodies an entire season. He's pretty much pitched in every third game. And what he's done has been phenomenal. A .33 ERA. Also, for any pitcher that's pitched more than 10 innings, the best ERA in baseball by a lot. So, again, this isn't just the best rookie. This has been the best reliever in all of baseball. I can't truly say Cabrian Hayes has been the best player in all of baseball. You know? Is anyone out there going to come at me and say Cabrian Hayes has been the best hitter in baseball? I mean, technically, he still he isn't. Juan Soto claims that. And then, I mean, the, the small sample again. Like, are you really going to make that argument? You, you don't. There is no argument. Devin Williams is the best reliever in baseball. Period. There's no argument. And I just feel that itself locks up the rookie of the year. Like, it's not even Bone. It's not Cronenworth. They've been good. Bone's been a lot better offensively, but his glove stinks. Cronenworth's glove's good. His offensive numbers are. Solid. Devin Williams has been amazing. Completely amazing. And he has the work in to do it. To me, I'm picking Devin Williams as my rookie of the year. Let's go to Cy Young. This is going to be a lot easier. AL, it's Shane Bieber. That's it. It's Shane Bieber. (laughs) There's no one else anywhere near him. Nobody. Not even Garrett Cole. Although that Bieber Cole is going to be nice, but we all know, you know, Jay Cole over Justin Bieber, right? Obviously. So that's why I'm picking Yankees again. Of course, Cole's going to be Bieber. But no. Yeah, Shane Bieber is my AL Cy Young. The NL was actually kind of hard, too. So in the NL, it was basically, I mean, Trevor Bauer or you Darvish. And many of they had fantastic years. Ultimately, you know, Bauer has the strikeout advantage. You Darvish does have a lower ERA, but if you're going to try to find anything to nitpick at, right, there was a little stretch in there where I think it was like three games where, you know, you Darvish looked normal, a human. Where it was really only one game that Trevor Bauer had, you know, a bad a bad game at, and the whole entire season, he, he was excellent, you know, and, and just like the body work, I, I'm I'm giving it to Trevor Bauer, like his stuff has been outstanding this year. It's been amazing, you know, and, and the it's not like the ERAs were that far off. And again, sixty games, you know, you're talking about ten, eleven, or twelve starts. There's not that big of a difference in that scenario. I'm giving it to Trevor Bauer. He's been fantastic. When it comes down to MVPs, this is the toughest one I had. The AL MVP could have won a lot of ways. I'm I'm going with Jose Ramirez here. That would be my guy. Jose Ramirez has the numbers. He's you want to talk about MVP. Like he he defines it in the sense that he was seriously the most valuable player to the Indians. We're a team that has no offense. We discussed, right? 
Their offense is terrible. He's carried that offense. I mean, the guy has hit 292 on base 386. He's slugging 607. 163 way to run career plus. 17 home runs. 10 stolen bases. This is a guy who's basically on a pace of like 50 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Right? Well, just hitting the hitting the hell out of the ball. A 163 way to run career plus. His defense has been good. Obviously, the base running has been good. Like he's just been plus plus like everywhere. Right? There's there's no downfall to him. You can talk about Rendon, Jose Abreu, right? DJ the May who could get some action there, what he's done with the Yankees. I gotta give the Jose though. I mean, he's been there, he's played 58 games. So he's in that lineup virtually every single day. This is why games matter to me this year. The amount of in just 60 games. If you miss time, it could be so crucial for you and your team. You know, there's never, ever has it mattered so much to be this type of an elite player and in that lineup every day. Taking no days off is so important to a team because every game matters. Every game matters. When a team like the Brewers are getting at 29 and 31, every game matters. So Jose Ramirez is in that lineup every single day, 58 games out of 60, right? What he did offensively, fantastic. Numbers are there, support it. It's my MVP. When you go to the NL, if you guys know me, <laughs> you probably you probably think you know who I'm going to say. Everyone knows, and if you don't, now you do. Everyone knows I love Juan Soto. Juan Soto is that dude for me. You know, we've talked Jim and Fernando Tatis Jr., right? That's his boy. My boy's been Juan Soto for quite some time. If you follow me from Duro's Dugout, you definitely know that. Um, I can't pick Juan Soto, though. He's been the best player in baseball. Let's put it that way. He's, he has been the best player in baseball this year. The numbers support it. Best average, slugging, on base, way to run for play, everything. Just across the board, it's Juan Soto, right? But what did I say about games played? Juan Soto played 47. Those 13 games are crucial this year. Did the Nationals make the playoffs? No. Am I saying they would have had he played those 13 games? No. Also, those 13 games kind of wasn't his fault. I mean, he tested, he, he had all these false positives on, you know, this coronavirus and couldn't get onto the field. You know, it wasn't as if he wasn't trying. He wanted to. And the second he was allowed, he came in and just, blazing just hitting the hell out of the ball you know like he was that guy that he never had a rough stretch this year in those 47 games like his hardest his roughest stretch was probably going 0 for 4 with a walk one night and that was it next game came up boom two hits three walks (laughs) right that's your one soda this year um he never had a rough stretch but he only played 47 games and that's a huge difference that's a big hindrance to me for this season i can't give it to one soda as good as he was, I can't give it to him. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Jim's boy, Fernando Tatis Jr., Trey Turner, Yaz of the Giants, Machado, Ozuna for the Braves. Like they all could get consideration here, too. This was this is a lot closer. Um I really struggled with this though. And 
I wanted to actually, if this would have been, say, 10 games ago, it would have been Fernando Tatis Jr. Plays the premier position, plays it well. He's been amazing with the bat this year, right? But overall, I had to, I'm giving it to Freddie Freeman as the NL MVP. And honestly, the reason why, this is tough. He plays first base. It's not a demanding position. He doesn't play it all that well. There's definitely better first baseman in the game. He's not terrible at the position. He's no Josh Bell. Put you that way. But that's kind of tough to do to give it to the first baseman. Um, but what he's done offensively, we're talking, I mean, this is close to Juan Soto type numbers. You know, Juan Soto at the very you know last game, which he did play, was up for the batting crown between you know him and Freeman. Juan Soto did get the hit. Soto does take the batting crown at 351 batting average. But Freddie Freeman did bat 341 this year on base 463. Sorry, 462. Slugged 640. A 187 way to run creative plus. You know, we talked about Cabrian Hayes, how fantastic he was, and just those 90 some plate appearances, right? And his 195 way to run career plus. Freddie Freeman played the entire season. Freddie Freeman played 60 games. Cabrian Hayes type numbers, which are off the charts, right? Close to Juan Soto type numbers for all 60 games he was there. Struck out only 14% of the time, walked 17% of the time, right? Walked more than he struck out. 13 home runs, 51 runs, 53 RBIs in 60 games. He was fantastic. And what got me to was, and I know you shouldn't, this shouldn't be truly in discussion because of, you know, for MVP and such. But think about what Freddie Freeman did. He couldn't participate when MLB returned because he had coronavirus. I mean, he literally was in bed sick. He talked about experience, how bad the headache was, how bad and terrible he felt. Day one, he was in that lineup. Again, I understand it's about the numbers, but he was there from day one with a late start. Played all 60 games. The value he added to the Braves, being there. And he was consistent all year. As I mentioned, but Tatis Jr. really fell off a little bit towards the end there. Struggled. Freddie Freeman... Going back to like what I said about Juan Soto, Freddie Freeman was consistent all year. Like the first few games, he uh, po- he played poor to his numbers. I think like through August fourth, he had like a way to run career plus of eighty seven. I mean, it's not terrible, you know. You're just below league average a bit, and the season just started. But he had a late start, and boom, it clicked. And from that point on, he carried this team. Absolutely carried it. You know, they had some struggles. You know, Cunha was injured a little bit. They've had their pitching struggles. Um, you know, guys going down with them. He was consistent. And that's why I'm giving it to Freddie Freeman. So there's my picks. Rookie of the year is Kyle Lewis, Devin Williams, Cy Young, Shane Bieber, Trevor Bauer. MVP is going to Jose Ramirez, Freddie Freeman. If you have issues with my picks, let me know. Talk about it. Let's have some discussion going. Who do you think is going to uh, advance in the first series of baseball. Who do you think is going to win these awards? I'm going to go coach of the year because I really don't care. 
because it's basically going to be the people that are surprised being in the playoffs. So I'm sure the Marlins, I don't know who's on the AL side that shouldn't be in the playoffs. The White Sox. It's going to be the White Sox. <laughs> and Marlins, managers getting it right. All right, so that wraps up the show. We'll be back tomorrow with Jim and I on Starbucks in the morning. We'll see you all then. Bye-bye.